Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Is anyone glad they showed up to church today? Amen, me too. Me too. Me too. I'm thankful that when I come down here, I love, I love being with you guys. Glory to God. You guys are, uh, what an amazing church God has put together here. Amen. I'm telling you, it's an amazing place. I'm, I'm thankful when I get to come down here. It's a, a bunch of presence seekers. Amen. And I'm telling you, that these things aren't normal. I'm telling you, I, I, I desire the manifested presence of the corporate presence of God when we come down in this house. I'm telling you, it gets strong. I'm, I'm telling you, I've preached all over Ireland. I've been, I've been in, back in the States. I, I've been, we've been in Bulgaria, been in different nations. I'm telling you, what God is doing in this place is special-like. Amen? It's not something that just happens. Amen? See, all of us, see, we can get kind of normal. Everything can get kind of normal when, when the presence of God flows into a house. And you're like, oh, man, this is just normal. It's not just normal, church. I'm telling you, I've been to loads of different churches. It's not normal. I mean, where does it come from? It comes from people with a desire. It comes with people that are hungry after something. It's come with people that, that desire to seek out him over everything else in their lives, guys. And I'm telling you, so I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. Thank you for being hungry. Thank you for allowing the, the light of God to emit through you. Thank you for yielding to the flame. Thank you for yielding to his goodness. Because listen, church, yeah, thank you for not allowing this to be a dead house. Amen. Because I'm telling you, it's very difficult. I mean, I'm, th- I'm thankful I don't have to give the offering message after that. I mean, probably should have probably should have waited till the end of the service to do it. But I mean, I'm telling you, did Pastor Jason did a wonderful job there. But I'm telling you, those things are difficult to ch- to, ch- uh, to change gears. Amen. When when God's sitting there flowing and moving, I mean, is it is it right for us to, to get out of that position, or do we or do we keep on moving forward and see what the Holy Ghost wants to do? I'm telling you, it's, it's a difficult place. Amen. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm thankful to be in a place where that is difficult to do than someone you just get up and you preach the word of God and you're gone in 45 minutes. Glory to God. I don't think we've ever had a, a message in this place that's been 45 minutes. And let me give you a little secret today. You ain't going to get one today either. Glory to God. I think we've been here longer than 45 minutes already. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I love this place. I love this place. Thankful. Thankful for people that are yielded to his presence. Amen. For any of you that are new here at this place, uh, you haven't had a whole lot of time to sit in here. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. It's a, it's a statement that the Holy Ghost has made here, made here a year or so ago. And I'm telling you, if, if you haven't figured this out yet, you will figure out these things. But listen, his presence, church, and his word will absolutely change everything about you if you permit it if you will allow yourself to jump into it. Let me say that again. His presence, the presence of the living God, not the presence of me or Jason or Melvin. or No, no, it's his presence. If you allow yourself to yield unto his presence and his word, I'm telling you, it will absolutely change everything about you. It'll change the way you live your life. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change what you desire to do with your time. Amen. It will change everything about you if, if you'll yield to it, if you'll make that decision to go for it. Amen. But we got, we got a choice to make in those things. Amen. See, this is why we like to have the children in the service. I know, see, a lot of places, you know, especially you go back to America, they can't stand those things. They don't like kids, you know, moving around or doing different things. So what do you do as soon as you go into church? I mean, they ship them right on up to kids' church. But I'm telling you, the reason why we want them in this service is because we want these things to be normal to children. Listen, let me encourage you. Invite your children to church. <laughs> Amen. Church isn't just for you. It's just not for the adults. Amen. Invite your kids. Allow your kids to be in church in the presence of God. Because see, if they're in the presence of God, they're hearing the word of God. These things don't become weird to them. Amen. I'm telling you, the kingdom culture shouldn't be weird to the church. It shouldn't be weird to children. They ought to be hunting after these things. They ought to be so so yielded to the Holy Spirit, amen, that they move more than than a lot of these mature, mature Christians do. Amen. But see, they got to be in the presence of God. We got to allow them to be in the presence of God. We got we to allow them to see when people are getting filled up with joy, when people fall out under the power, when people get healed. We got to allow these children to see these things. We got to allow them to see it. See, this is the only place where they're going to get to when, when a tongue and interpretation goes off. Listen, they'll be able to keenly decide, oh, no, they're not praying in the Spirit. Oh, I can sense that. I can sense that by the Spirit that's on the inside of me. That's a tongue going forth. And what they do, they, 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 they let peace come upon them. Why? So they can hear what God is desiring to say to them. Why? Because he's not just speaking to adults. I mean, he's speaking to children as well. 
And tell our children, that would be the desiring prophecy to go forth. They ought to be hungry for hearing, hearing God, the living God, speak to us. I'm telling you, I don't know about you. See, I didn't grow up in this stuff. I didn't grow up in church. Amen. And I got a little taste of religion. I didn't like it. I wanted something real. Amen. I, want, I wanted a God. God, you say you talk this, and I want to hear from you. And I'm telling you, I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of him yielding himself, me yielding myself to him to where he can, he can speak. He can do whatever he desires to do. Why? Because it's his church. It's his church, guys. Hmm? We need to get to that place where our children see that what the things that go on in this place is more real. It's more real to them than, than everything that goes on outside the four walls of this building. Why? Because... The spiritual things, how many of y'all know the spiritual things, church, are, are much more real than the natural? Hmm? They're much more real than the things that are going there. These things don't change. Those things change. How do those things change? By what goes on in here. Amen. To get us filled up, to get us, to get us built up to where we can go outside the walls of this church and we begin to change a city. We begin to change. Let me, yeah, I'll start with that. We begin to change our own families. Amen. And then from our families, we can begin to change cities. From cities, we can change nations. Our nations will change the world. Amen. This is the plan that God has placed upon each and every one of us. But listen, it starts with us. It starts with us with being hungry. It starts with us allowing our whole families to be a part of what God is trying to do in these things, you know? I'm telling you, God's good. God's good. If we'll yield ourselves into it, he's good. Everything we do, everything we do here, everything that the Holy Ghost has led us to do here, we do it for a reason. You know, we don't just flip a coin and say, you know what, maybe we ought to do that this way today. <laughs> that's, not, that's, not the way we, that's not the way we do things here. Amen. We, don't, we do things for a, spe- a specific reason. Listen, church, we don't do things around here for money. Amen. If we're going to do things for money, listen, church, I never would have left America. Why? Because it's real easy to get, they fund 80% of the gospel around the world. I never would have left a place if everything was about money. It has nothing to do about money in this house. Amen. But it is teaching principles. Amen, so we can further the kingdom. I mean, it shouldn't be just America. Listen, I'm telling you, Ireland, let me speak that to you. There's going to be enough finances coming through your pockets through what you are learning from the word that you will begin to fund the gospel around the world. Amen. You're going to be sending out missionaries. You're going to plant churches around the world. You're going to make Bible schools go across the world. Why? Because he's going to be pouring through you if we can take a hold of what the word says. If we allow his presence and we allow his word to change everything about us. It's not about, oh, we'll just wait for America to come bail us out. No, 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 no. Now, God's waiting for you to lift up your hand and say, here I am, Lord. I trust you. Use me. Use me. Use me. Use me. Use me to do something. Use me. I mean, I'm telling you, church, we, we do things for a reason. Not for money. It definitely isn't for numbers. <laughs> Definitely in for numbers. It wasn't, listen, like I said, just as it is for money, I would have never left the U.S. if it was about numbers. Amen. It's easy to fill the church over there. Amen. But I'm telling you, God, listen to me. Listen to me. When I say it's not about numbers, let me, let me, let me get you thinking straight here. It's not, listen, it's not about filling these seats in here. I mean, we want to we affect the community out there. We want to we affect every single person out there. But it's not just about filling seats. It's about, it's about getting people delivered. It's about people getting the word out, out, outside the four walls. Am I making sense to me? I feel like I'm talking in a circle here. Amen. It's about people. It's not about building our own kingdom in here. Amen. Now we, now we go outside and we do what God's asking us to do out there. Listen, this place will get filled. Amen. I'm telling you, it's a, it looks a whole lot, a lot more filled than it did before COVID came around. You, you know why? Because we do, because we're yielding to what the Lord is asking us to do. But that's not why we're here. Amen. It's not to get kudos on ourselves to see what we can do. It's not about it's not about anything but putting the spotlight on the Lord Himself. Amen. Allowing His kingdom culture to come through this church. Amen. Allowing Him to do the things that He desires to do. Hmm. Allowing the spotlight to be on the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the Holy Ghost doesn't do anything except exalt Jesus. He does nothing to exalt man. Amen? Some of us may need to hear that in here today. Listen, the Holy Ghost isn't here to exalt any man. I don't care if he's on TV. I don't care what church he comes from. The Holy Ghost doesn't come here to lift up man and make man more important than another person. No, no everything the Holy Ghost does is to exalt Jesus. It's on Jesus, and that's it. Full stop. 
Amen. To exalt Jesus in everything that we are doing. This, this is what the kingdom is about. This, this is what we're doing here. Glory to God. Not permitting any, any compromise. <laughs> not committing any compromise to come into the house. Amen. No compromise. Can we be a church of that? Of no compromise? That's a lot harder said than done. Can we be a church of no compromise? Allowing this to be the foundation of everything in our lives? Allowing his presence, Jesus, allow him to be the ruler of our lives? Allow him to actually be Lord? Allow him to actually be the king of our lives? Crazy. It's like we got revolving doors around here sometimes. <laughs> Amen. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. It's a good, good place. It's a good place. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you know, I feel like rambling for a minute. How many of y'all know that there, there are proven 17 to 19, depending on where, what, what study you look at, there are 17 to 19 uh, successful church growth methods that are found in the U.S.? How, do you, how many of y'all know there's, there's 17 of them? They say, if you can follow one of these methods, one that suits you the best, listen, listen, you will grow a church, and a church will be absolutely amazing. And, you know, we follow not one of them. We don't follow one of them. You say, why is that? Because these are franchise models. Listen, if we want to go plan a McDonald's, listen, you go grab one of those things, and, man, it will be successful. You'll get people to come. But, listen, if you want to plan a church, if you want, if you want to grow a family, what do you do? You listen to the Holy Spirit. I mean, you listen to the Holy Spirit and you listen to the Word of God and allow Him to move through us and operate in everything that we're doing. Amen. I'm telling you, how many of y'all, it's easy to grow churches. So you get, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we planted this church, we planted another church, and people always ask, how, how do you plan a church? I mean, what, what, what can we do? We're going to go plant church. Church and plan, planning churches are easy. Growing a church is easy if you have enough money. Amen. So we can have a mega church right here in Dundalk if, if, if we want to go after it. What do you do? You just got to buy the right building in the right place. You got you to pay the right worship team to come up here to, put, to do some fantastic music that will draw people in. You got you to pay the right minister to get up and give the nice 30-minute message that's not going to offend everybody. But listen, church, these things aren't going to happen around here. I mean, they're just not going to happen. These things are not successful. We want to build up strong local leaders, amen. We want to build up a strong local church that flows in the Holy Ghost. I mean, Brother Hagin said that years ago, and it's something that is still stamped upon my heart. What is God doing in this age? He's building up strong local churches that flow in the Holy Ghost, amen. They're not scared of the Spirit of God, amen. That They'll begin to yield in what the, what the Holy Ghost desires to do, and they'll allow it, amen. Because, see, you know, there is a, a secondary consequence, of, of doing the church growth model. You say, what is that? You extinguish the fire of the Holy Spirit. Hmm? I'm telling you, that's very natural in the church nowadays to extinguish, amen, the fire of the Holy Spirit coming in and allowing him to transform people's lives. And then it puts all the pressure on the minister to do it. And I'm telling you, I can't transform your life. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm not gonna do it, amen. But I'm telling you, I know someone who can. Amen. amen. His name's Jesus. His name is the Holy Spirit. His name is the Father. And I'm telling you, he'll change everything about you if you allow it. If you allow it. If you, will, if you will permit it. If you will permit it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I'm trying to see which direction I want to go on here. How many of y'all know the church is changing? I believe, I believe the church is changing. Well, not just because I believe we're in their last days, but I believe the church is changing. And you say, how, do I, how can I say that? Because I can look at some of these young adults that we have around here, not just in this church, but throughout the world. And I'm telling you, our young adults, man, they're hungry for something. They're not satisfied with, with church as normal. They're not satisfied with religion. I mean, see, a lot of us adults, we've, we've gotten satisfied with what we would call religion, amen? You know, you know having, having a form of godliness but lacking the power thereof. But I'm telling you, there, there's a younger generation that's coming behind us, and I'm telling you, they're not satisfied with those things. They look and they said, man, I, I've sat around, I've heard these things taught, I've heard these things ministered, I've looked at it, I've been in religion, I've been in community, but I want to see an actual God that does what this Bible says he can do. You know, it says this is God's word. Where is the God that's doing what he says he can do? Hmm? 
And I'm telling you, they've hungered after these things. And you're, seeing, you're starting to see a change. Because listen, church, for you to have change in your church, for you to have a move of the Spirit in your church, it has to have people desiring it. Amen. And listen, if the older generation won't do it, praise God, he'll start with the next generation below him. I mean, if, the, if that next generation won't do it, he'll start with them that are up there. They'll bring revival in that place and allow it to come down here. Thank you, brother. And he'll allow, he'll allow it to come on down here to affect us. We've we got to be a people that are hungry after the things of God. I'm telling you, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I mean, is anyone hungry in this house? I mean, does anyone want a move of God in this house? Because if it is, I showed up to the wrong church this morning. Amen. We, we need a move of God. I'm not saying we ought to want it. We need it. We need it. Why? Because it's gonna, we have to be changed before we can change anything else. You know, as we say in this house, everything is an inward, outward flow, right? So if we're going to change something outside of here, something has to be changed in here first. I mean, God has to change something in us before we can change something out. That's why God brings healing into you first. Why? So then you can give it to someone else. That's why God will prosper you, just like Pastor Jason was saying. Why? So you can prosper other people. God does everything. He brings it into you. Why? Not so you can hoard it. Oh, oh I don't want anyone else to catch anything thing what I have. No, he gives it to you. Why? So you can begin to pour it out into the people around you. So we can pour it out to a people around us. Praise God so we can pour it out to a generation around us. Ooh, I'm not satisfied with community anymore. I want the kingdom. I want the kingdom. What is that? What did that verse in that song we sang today? It says, King, Jesus desired us to have heaven, so what did he do? He came down here for us. See, some of us are so caught up in what's going on in this world, what's going to happen in the future, you don't realize that the kingdom of heaven is already here with you. The Bible says the kingdom of God's in you. It's in you. This, we we got to be seeking what's in us, amen, not, not what's going to happen in, in a thousand years or a hundred years or next year, whatever it is, regarding you know, the rapture and all these other things. No, no we need to be seeking the kingdom that's, that's already in place on the inside of us. And I'm telling you, church, it'll start changing things. Start changing things on the inside of you. Hmm? One of the first things that need to be changed, man, let me try to get on to my, my, what I'm wanting to minister here. One of the first things that need to change in us, we need, we need to start thinking generationally again. Amen? I mean, God is a generational thinking God. And I'm telling you, all of the church, all of the history, even before the modern church, before history, all the way back to Abraham, before we are always generationally thinking people. It's only the postmodern church nowadays has been trained up to think narcissistically that everything is about us. That everything, oh, it's all about me, it's all about my anointing, it's all about building my church, it's about building this, it's about building that. No, no that, that's a postmodern idea that's come through narcissism. I'm telling you, it's come from, it's come from the adversary himself. I mean, because our God doesn't think that way. Our God thinks generationally. He, he's looking down the line to see what he's doing, and he wants to use you to affect what's coming down the line. And not everything is about you. And I know, I know people hate hearing that, but I'm telling you, honey, not everything in this world is about you. Amen. Not everything is about us. We need to start shifting the way we think, amen, and start thinking about the next generation. And how many of y'all know that God has given us a call and a destiny? What is the difference? Does anyone, we know the difference between our calling and our destiny in here, right? Our calling is generic, right? The calling of God upon our lives is generic. We all have the same calling. You say, what is that? We're called to get saved, we're, we're, we're called to, to study the Word of God. We're called to, to pray and get intimate with the Lord. We're called to, to be in a church, to be, a, to be planted in a church. We're called to serve in that church, amen? We're called to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, I mean, and the list goes on and on and on. We're, we're called to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. We're, we're called to do these things. We're called to cast out devils. I mean, this is the calling. It's not just for the person that sits up here behind this pulpit. No, no this is for the church. It's a general. It's a, it's a generic call upon the body of Christ. This, this is the calling, but see, the destiny we have, your personal destiny is, is more specific. It is the specific call that God has already prepared for you in your life. Amen. He's already prepared it. He's not trying to figure out, oh, I wonder, I wonder what brother John, I wonder what, I wonder what I can do with him. No, he's no, see, before John was born, he already prepared a way for him. He prepared, uh, he prepared something for him to do. He prepared a destiny for him. Now, what is it? It's John's job. It's your job. It's my job to seek out what God has for each and every one of us. We, we have to be the ones that seek these out. But let me tell you a little secret. Let me tell you a little secret. You will never find your destiny in your life. 
Now listen to me, guys. You'll never find your destiny, the personal destiny that God has already laid out, the provision that he's laid out for. You're never going to find that unless you submit yourself to the call that God has upon you. Hmm? Say, oh, I want to know my destiny. I want my destiny. Well, why don't you start serving in the church? I want to know my destiny. I want to know. Start studying the word. I want to know my destiny. I want my destiny. Start, start getting intimate with the Holy Ghost. I want to know my destiny. I want to know my destiny. Listen, listen, you see someone walking down there. Go lay your hands on them and get them healed. Amen. We need to start yielding, amen, to the call that God has upon our life. And then what's going to happen? Your destiny is going to just be unrolled like, like the carpet being rolled out for you. Why? Because he's already prepared it for you. Amen. We've got to submit to one thing before we can come to the place that we receive another. Amen. Now let me say this. Let me say this. It may rough your, ruffle your feathers a little bit. Amen. It, it may, if, I, if it rubs the cat the wrong way, as John Osteen used to say, just turn the cat around. Amen. You say, what is that? Listen, God, I would venture, I would dare to say, God will never give us a destiny that's not generationally minded. Now, let me say that again to you because someone needs to hear that. God will not give us a destiny. Our destiny is not anything unless it's generationally minded. He will not pour out a destiny upon your life that is not going to affect the generations after you. Amen. Oh, I'll be a better amen than that in here. Come on, church. This is how our God operates. Why? Because it's, it's how he thinks. It's how he believes. It's how he sets everything up. You don't believe it? Get back in the word of God and let's see how God does things. I mean, God thinks generationally in everything that we do. I mean, I dare say it's even illegal to pursue a destiny. And it's illegal to pursue a destiny that isn't generationally minded because it isn't from the Father. I'd say it's absolutely illegal. I'd say it's not from him. Amen. Let me just add a little bit on top of that. Amen. While we're at it. Amen. If it is something that you can complete on yourself without the full cooperation of Holy Spirit or Jesus himself, let me tell you what, church, it is not a calling. It's not a destiny from him. Why? Because he'll never give you a destiny that you can complete on your own. He'll never do give you a destiny that you can fulfill without his full cooperation in it. Say, oh man, I've been walking in my whole... No, you have not. Amen. You've been doing what you desire to do and calling it your own destiny. Amen. Because see, God wants to give us something so big so that, that when you look back, you say, man, there's no way I could have done that. Only he could have done it. Amen. And he gets all the glory. He gets, he gets all the honor. For why? Because he deserves it. He's the one that set these things up. So don't sell yourself short. Amen? I'm telling you, we're full, of, we're full of a church. We're full of the body of Christ is full of selling themselves short nowadays. Oh, oh I really don't think I can affect this whole island. You know, so I'm, I'm just going to stay here and I'm just going to put myself in a little corner. I'm telling you, God knows you can do that. You can stick in a corner and affect your own self. Amen? But he, he wants you to affect the nation. He, want, he wants you to do something bigger than yourself. Bigger than something that you can do on your own. Glory to God. But will we yield into those things? Hmm? I'm telling you, no compromise, church. Don't compromise. And remember, we're going to be a church of no compromise. And we're going to allow him to lead us and guide us in everything that we're doing. Hallelujah. Amen. Now listen. Although your calling and your destiny may be operated through you, it's not for you. Hmm? Although God see maybe he has a calling and a destiny that he wants to operate through you, amen, it's not necessarily for you. Amen. It's for the people around you. It is for this generation that's coming up behind us. It may, it may benefit you, it may benefit others, or, and, and, but it should be benefiting others around you, and especially this next generation. Amen. See, like the call that God has placed upon my wife and I, listen, listen, it's not, it's not for us. It's not to make us famous. Good Lord, if you've been around this church long enough, you'll know we can't stand that kind of stuff. Amen. It's, it's not to make us famous. You know what it is? It's to make you famous. It's to, make, it's to make you famous with your children. Amen. It's to make you famous when you go up, up into this, under this top room and you see these young people up there and their desire and they're hungry for something. It's to make you famous among them. They're like, man, that's what a man or a woman of God looks like. It's when people are walking down the streets out there and you know they don't have a father in their life. You start taking them under your wing and start leading them to the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Leading them to God. Leading them to the Holy Spirit. Taking them under your wings, discipling people. Listen, church, this is what it's all about about. This is what it's all about. 
Amen. It's not, it's not about us. It's not about, it's not about you. It's, it's, about, it's about them. It's about other people. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves and start allowing ourselves to look at what God is, is preparing for us. See, there's a man. There's a man named Abraham. Abraham had a, had a call upon his life. Amen. That he was going to be the father of many nations. And he had a son. He had one son, as the Bible says. His name was Isaac. Amen. Isaac, he had a son. He had, his name was Jacob. Amen. Jacob, he had 12 sons. He had 12 sons. Now, who was the most significant son that Jacob had? Hmm? Joseph. Amen. It was Joseph. Why? It was the firstborn son of the one he loved. The firstborn son of the one he was loving, he was in love with, was intimate with. Amen. It was his firstborn. Now, now, if he was the most significant son out of all 12, how come when you go reading through the Bible and you see all the inheritance that all the, all the brothers got, how come there is no land that's called Joseph? You have Asher. You have Benjamin. You have you know, Judah. You have, I mean, going down the list, there, you know, how, how come there is no Joseph there? Why? He was the most important. He was the most significant. Yeah, but see, that most significant actually got, he got a double portion. But see, it wasn't in his name. See, he got a double portion, but it wasn't in his name. Whose name was it in? It was in his son's names. It was in Nephtali. It was in, it was in Manasseh. There were, he, he got a double portion. Yeah, he was the most significant, but it didn't have his name stamped upon it. I'm going to tell you, church, there's so many, there's so many people in here. We're, we're doing some great things. People are doing great things. And you may be doing, your destiny may call you to do something that your name doesn't get stamped upon it. You may be doing something that affects this whole island, but your name doesn't get stamped upon it. I'm telling you, I know every time I talk about this, I start looking at you, sharing God starts speaking to me. I'm telling you, you're doing something in this island. I'm telling you, it may be the biggest thing this island sees. It may be the biggest thing this island has ever, ever known can come to pass. But you're probably not going to get your name stamped upon. It. But you know who's going to get their name stamped upon it? Your sons, your daughters. And I'm not just talking about your physical ones. I'm talking about the spiritual ones that come through that place. The next T-Shocks, the next prime ministers, the next ones that are serving in the EU, the next apostle, the next prophet, the next teacher, the next school teacher, the next great son and daughter, the next great mother and father that come out of there. It'll happen through the year. But you may not get your name stamped upon it. It doesn't mean you're not significant. Amen? I'm telling you, our God is good. Amen. But I'm telling you, he wants to bring his goodness through you through the next generation to allow them to allow something great to happen upon them. Amen. Why? So they can do something great for God. They can raise up and do exactly what we're teaching on today. Amen. So it don't ever stop. We, don't, we need not be pointing here and, and be so focused on us and everything that we're doing. Amen. Generational legacy. Glory to God. I love talking about generational legacy. I'm telling you, this is one of the first revelations that God stamped upon my heart, and I'm telling you, it's, it, it's absolutely amazing. If we, as the church, can shift the way we think, I'm telling you, God will change some things in you. Hmm? Say, why are we talking about generational legacy when Jesus is coming back? He's coming back real soon. You know, why are we talking about a generational legacy? Well, I'm going to tell you, this is exactly why the Holy Spirit wants us to talk about it in this house. Amen. Yes, I fully believe Jesus is coming back soon. Absolutely. But yes, I fully believe that we need to continue to do what God has asked us to do. We need to be pressed in. We need to not get distracted upon end times and stay persistent in what God's asking us to do. Why? Or we're not going to get to see him. Amen. We need, we need to be pursuing what God has called each and every one of us to do. We need to have a balance of this desire to see, to see my king face to face. We got to have a desire to have a balance with that and what God's asking us to do here. We got to have a desire to fill our race. Not, get, not quit in the middle of it, but fulfill what God has asked us to do. And we've got wars breaking out across this land. Third, we could have the third world war starting off any day now. Amen. I'm telling you, what is the church doing? Man, it's sitting back, its feet kicked up saying, oh man, everything's great. Jesus is coming back. None of these things matter. And I'm telling you, this, this, this has to change. Amen. This has to change. I'm telling you, we, we got all hell breaking loose around the world right now. And I'm telling you, since COVID stopped, I'm telling you, you see numbers are all across the world going down. There are people that aren't, people aren't coming to the church anymore. 
Why is that? Oh, everything's great. We're, now we're distracted with going to restaurants, distracted with sports, distracted with everything else. And I'm telling you, church, this, this is a problem for us. Amen. Why? Because we're only thinking about us and we're thinking about right here and right now. We need to be thinking about what God's desiring to do down the road. Amen. Yes, I believe he's coming. I thoroughly believe he's coming. I believe we are in that generation. Amen. But what if, what if, he's, what if it's not? Hmm? What are we going to do then? What do you do then? What do we do then? Amen. We better be living. We better be living like he's, we better be living like we're staying. Amen. We better be living like we're staying. As, a, as, a, as Damon would say, and this is a great statement, he says, if we live like we're living soon, we'll never be ready to stay. But if we live like we're staying, we'll always be ready to go. Amen. We'll always be ready to go. We, we always got to be pursuing what God has. What, what does God has for us? He wants to initiate the greatest revival this world has ever seen. And I'm telling you, I fully, fully believe it's going to come through this generation. It's going to come through each and every one of us. I fully, I fully believe that. But for those things to, get, uh, to take place, we're going to have to get hungry. We're going to have to start pursuing after what God has for each and every one of us. Turn, you can go, um, turn with me there to four, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 17, you know, Paul, he's talking to the church. I'm not going to get into the end time stuff here today. But, but Paul, speaking to the church, he, said, he says, then we who are alive, talking about the rapture, he says, then who we are that are alive and remain will be caught up. He says, we'll be caught up. That's the Greek word harpazo. It is the Latin word rapturo. That's where we get the word rapture. Oh, rapture is not in the Bible, Pastor. Really? Well, it is in the Latin Bible. Amen. It's called rapturo. I mean, it's the Greek word harpazo. It means to seize. It means to snatch. It means to take away. Amen. He says, he says, then we that are alive, we shall be seized. We shall be caught away. We shall be caught up. We shall be harpazo. We shall be raptured together with them in the clouds and the Lord in the air. Amen. And thus we shall be with the Lord always. But the, the, the point I want to bring out to you here is, is what is Paul saying here? See, Paul had such an idea that he was so part of Jesus' return. He says we. See, he didn't say, and then them, then they will be caught up in the clouds. That's not what Paul said. He says, then we. Are you, are you getting me here? You know, Paul was saying we, meaning he expected the rapture to take place at any day now back 2,000 years ago. He expected it. He desired it. He desired to see the Lord face to face, and he expected enough to where when he's writing a letter, he says, when we get all raised up together, amen, we get raised up together, these things are going to happen. But I'm going to tell you, I'm so thankful Paul didn't stop doing what God was asking him to do 2,000 years ago. I'm glad he went out and he, and he transformed nations. I'm glad he went out and planted churches. I'm glad he was the apostle that God called him to be. He didn't sit back and just say, you know what? Jesus is coming. I don't think I'm going to go get stoned today. Jesus is coming and not that kind of stone. Start thinking, right? Jesus is, is coming back soon. I'm not going to get flogged today. Jesus is coming back. I don't think I'm going to get in that ship and get shipwrecked. No, no, no. He said, what are you saying, Holy Spirit? What do you want me to do? All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I know Jesus is coming back, but I'm going to do it anyway. Why? Because I know you love people. I love people. And I'm going to be obedient to what you're asking me to do in anything that comes up in my life. I mean, can we get to that place, church? Can we be so hungry to see him come back, but be so submissive to what he desires us to do that we desire to finish our race? Does anyone want to finish their race? See, some of us haven't even started it. Amen? But does anyone want to finish it? Because I'm telling you, Jesus, he wants you to finish it. Amen. He wants you to finish every single thing he's called you to do. Amen. But we just got to get submitted to it. We got to, we got to get, and I got to get moving. Glory to God. Amen. Let's go here to, to 1 Kings chapter 19. I want, I want to talk to you a little bit about what, what God sees as like training up the next generation. What God sees as a prolific way to train up the next generation. So we're going to be here in 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to bounce to 2 Kings chapter 2, and then we should be good. Amen. Now we know this. We know, we know what, what's going on here. We teach about this quite a bit. And we're talking about being led by the Spirit. But Elijah, what did he do? He went out and had a show down at Mount, at, Mount, uh, at Mount Carmel with all the prophets of Baal, right? He had a showdown. He said, listen, if, you're, if your God answers by fire, then, 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 we'll, you, know, then you can kill me, whatever. And if, I, if mine you know, answers, listen, you're going to get the sword, right? What happens? Of course, our God is the one that answered, brought fire down from heaven licked up the water, took care of the sacrifice, and then what happened? It says that he slayed 450 prophets of Baal. 
Elijah slew 450 prophets of Baal. And then what happened? <laughs> then what happened? He went and he called forth rain. There was a major drought that was in the scene. He called forth rain. He said, rain, come on, come on. And what happened? Rain came. He went to, uh, showed Ahab, and then he took off running. Why? Because this, this, little, this little woman, her name was Jezebel, who was full of the devil, amen, came and said, you know what? I am going to kill you, boy, for killing my prophets. And what did he do? He took off running. Now that blows me away. He just slew 450 prophets, amen, and this one woman comes up to him and says, you know what, you know, you're dead, and he goes, oh my Lord, he, and he took off running. He took off running like God couldn't take care of her, which he did, like God couldn't take care of her like he did, like he did those other prophets. Amen. What did he do? He ran, he ran off to, to, Mount, uh, to Mount Sinai. Amen. Got, got into a cave. Amen. And God, God started speaking to him. He said, what are you doing here? And he started giving him the excuses. I'm the only prophet here. I'm the only prophet left in Israel and everyone's trying to kill me. And God, and God said, listen, listen, you need to sh- just be quiet. Shh. Sh- you know, come out here and talk to me. You know, he shook the cave. And then fire came and the wind blew. And then he heard the still small voice. And see, he recognized the still small voice. And what did he do? He stepped outside. And God said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I didn't call you to come over here, son. Why are you over in this place? And he gives them the other excuses. And God let them talk for a second. I'm the only prophet here. Everyone's out trying to slay me. And he says, listen, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. I got a job for you to do. He says um, in verse 14, he says, return your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you come to Haziel, he goes, uh, and he goes, when you come with anoint Haziel to be king over Syria, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you anoint to be king over Israel. He goes, Elijah, the son of Shephet, uh, of Abel Meholah, to be the, the prophet in your stead or in your place or in thy room. He goes, and, then, and, and it shall come to pass that he that escapes the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elijah slay. He says, yet, and he answers the question, yet, I have left 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he says, listen, I know what your complaint is. You're absolutely wrong. I got 7,000 that are still mine there. So he goes, just shh, and listen to what I'm asking you to do, and then go do it, and then go do it. Amen. See, but most of us, see, we would look at this, you know, when, when we heard, when God starts speaking to us and tell us, listen, I need you to go replace, replace yourself with another prophet. Amen. How many, how many people in here would get offended? Hmm? Oh, I need, I need you to replace yourself with someone else. Oh, oh, I need you to replace yourself. Why, why didn't he get offended? Because I'm telling you, you know, that happens in the church. Nowadays, people get offended, man, they're gone. You're replacing me? What are you talking about? Don't you know who I am? I am Elijah. I just killed 450 prophets. What do you mean you're going to replace me? What do you mean you're going to replace me? But see, he didn't think like we think in the modern church. Amen. what do you think? He says, man, I know I'm not living forever. I know what God's thinking. And God's, God needs someone to, to take my place. He needs someone to take my position. Not that God's mad at me. Not that he's angry with me. Not that he's, he's going to steal my anointing. No, no, no. He's saying, I need you, John. I need you to train up that next generation. I know, I know you can do it. So you go anoint your replacement. You father your next replacement. Amen. And get him to the things that he needs to be doing. I'm telling you, that's powerful, church. That's the type of thinking we need to have. He knew he, he needed to raise up the next generation. But see, let me, let me explain you the difference here. There's a difference between personal legacy and a generational legacy. And let me show you the difference here. See, Saul, everyone knows King Saul of Israel, the first king. See, him and Elijah both messed up, and God said, listen, I need, you know, you're, you know there's someone that's going to replace you. Amen? They both messed up. Newsflash, we, we all mess up. Amen? These are things that happen. Amen? Well, things, things happen. Amen? He said, but, but listen, you met, listen, you're, you're going to have a replacement come upon you. Now, what did Saul do? What did Saul do? Saul wanted to kill his replacement. And he said, listen, I, know, I see the anointing on this kid. I'm going to kill him. Enough, enough to where the anointing of God left him. Amen. It left him. It left him. What happened? The one, the one that's going to take his place had to come play a harp so devils wouldn't come and torment him. Amen. Thank God for the people that can play a harp. Man, we need a harpist in this house. Amen. Glory to God. 
Amen. But see, he, he, couldn't, he couldn't stand it. He, couldn't, he had no anointing anymore, had too much pressure. He was open to devils. And what happened? David had to come in and play the harp. Play the harp for him. Play the harp for him. And play the harp for him. Now, what did Elijah do? Elijah did. God says, listen, listen, I need you to go anoint Hazel over Syria. I need you to go anoint Jehu over Israel. And then I need you to go to anoint your own replacement. His name is Elijah. You go, 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 go anoint him. He's, he's going to be your pro, He's going to be the prophet that takes your place. What did he do? He says, "Okay, okay." And what did he do? He gave up his life for it. He gave us his life to train up this next generation. He gave his life to not only train, not not only, absolutely to do everything that God was still because he wasn't done. Elijah wasn't done yet. I mean, he still had to perform everything that God was asking him to do. But he also took someone underneath his wing, Amen, to come do what God was asking him to do. To this point, you see in Luke chapter one, verse seventeen, it says he talking about John the Baptist. It says he also go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Talking about John the Baptist. Who did he go in the spirit of? Saul? Hmm? See, I don't, I don't know if anything positive says someone says, oh, oh Brother Jay, you're going to go in the spirit of Saul. You know, I mean, that, you wouldn't take that as a compliment. Amen? But he says, you're going to go, this man's going to go in the spirit of Elijah. John the Baptist, see, what do they do when, when, they, when Jesus, he said, who do, men, who do men say that I am? He said, oh, some say, some say Elijah. Some say, you know, one of the prophets. You know, they, they're going off this. They say, some say the prophet. What were they saying? Because he was prophesied there is one coming. He was going to come in the spirit of Elijah. And what was Elijah going to do? What was Elijah, the spirit of Elijah going to do? It says he'll turn the hearts of the fathers back into the children. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers back into the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready and prepare the way of the Lord. Why? Because religion has this uncanny effort to be able to, to step in and separate the mothers and daughters, the fathers and the sons. Why? Because it begins to turn everything and makes us think about us. Amen. When you're thinking about you, you can't be thinking about the next generation. So I want to ask you a question in this house today. Where are you, fathers? Where are you, mothers? Where are you, sons? Where are you, daughters? Where are you in this place? See, this is what God's called us to be trained up to do. Where are you? Amen. Because I'm telling you, God's desiring to raise up fathers. He's desiring to raise up fathers in this house, not just, not just physical fathers. Listen, we need to get out of the natural way of thinking. He's trying to raise up spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, and spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. So where are we? Where are we? Listen, I can't be the only one in this house. I'm th I thank God for the spiritual sons that God gave me, but I can't do it all. Jesus can only disciple 12 people. There's more than 12 people in here. Where are you, fathers? Huh? Where are you, mothers? Where are we at? Because we've got a generation to train up. It's not about an age thing. It's about a spiritual thing. Amen. What, what are we going to give? What have we been cramming all the word in us, all the, all the move of the spirit in us all these years to do what? It's not just for us. It's to help train up this next generation. Where are you? It's time for us to step up to the plate. It's time just to go to war for this next generation. It's time to give up ourselves. Amen. For this next generation. Glory to God. Let's get here to, to 2 Kings. Let me see if I can finish here. Hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. Where do we want to start there, Lord? Let me just start here in verse 1. It says, It came to pass that when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went, he went with Elijah to Gilgal. Now, now listen. As, as, we're, as we're talking about the rapture and things like this, l listen to this right here. You know, why, why was Elijah on his way? He, he knew his time was done. The Lord already told him. Amen. See, why, why are we so focused on things? I'm telling you, I, I, like I said, I believe the rapture. I believe it's coming. I believe we're in that season. But I'm telling you, I know something by the Spirit of God. Amen. You say, what is that? It's not happening right now. Amen. I tell you, I will know by the Spirit of God when these things begin to happen. Why? Because he didn't, he didn't like Elijah more than he likes me. I mean, he didn't, like, he didn't prefer Elijah over he prefers you. Amen. He will, he will let you know by the Spirit of God when, when things are about to come, it's going to come. I mean, he's not, he's not trying to leave us in the dark. Amen. But he's saying, listen, get after. We are in that season, but get after what God is calling you to do. Get after it. We have got to get after these things. And he says in verse 2, he says, Elijah said to him, 
and uh, said unto Elijah, you wait here, tarry here, I pray thee, unto the Lord. The Lord has sent me over to Bethel. And Elijah said unto him, as the Lord lives and as thy soul liveth, he goes, I will not leave thee. So he went down to Bethel. I'm telling you, that's, that's honor. He goes, and the sons of prophet that were, that were in Bethel, they came to Elijah and they said to him, he goes, no, you're not that the Lord, the Lord said he's going to take your master away. He's going to take him from your head today. And I like Elijah. He turned and he goes, shh. He goes, I know these things. He goes, you, 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 you don't, of course Elijah knew these things. This, this was his son in the faith. I mean, of course he knew what was about to take place. But he said, listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here about what's going to happen to me. I'm here to honor. I'm here to honor my spiritual father. I'm here to honor my spiritual leader. And I'm like, every second he has until, until the Lord pulls him out of here, I'm going to be with him. I'm going by his side. So shh. In verse 4, it says, Elijah said to him, why don't you tarry here, son? Why don't you tarry here, Elijah? He goes, I pray, I pray thee that the Lord has sent me over to Jericho. And he said unto him, as, as the Lord lives and as you live, he goes, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. And what happened? The prophets that were in Jericho, they came over to Elijah and they said, they said to him, you know, it's not that, you're, that the Lord's going to take away your master today. He says, yes, I know, but shh, shh, just hold your peace. And Elijah said unto him, tarry here, I pray here, that the Lord hath sent me down to the Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth, as as thy soul lives, he goes, I'm not going to leave you. And the two went on down to the Jordan. You say, why, why was Elijah, why did he keep on saying, he said, just stay here, just stay here. Why? Because this was a, this was a 25 mile journey. The best I could figure up looking at it online is about 25 miles, about, about 40 kilometers. I mean, it's like, it's like you know what, hon? Let, let's go take a, a wee walk down to Drada today. Let's just take a little walk. We'll stop by Kessel Bellingham. We'll just kind of cruise on down to Drada today. I mean, that, that's basically what, what he was saying. So he, what was he saying? Listen, listen, just back off. He goes, you, you can stay here if you want to. You can stay here if you want to. I know we're, we're older men. This is a long walk. You don't need to go here. Why do he kept on presenting him with this? Why? Because you cannot force people to honor someone. You cannot force someone to receive something from God. You cannot force someone to receive an anointing. You cannot force someone to, to receive a miracle from God. They have to want it. They have to hunger after it. They have to go for it. And so what did he do? He kept on putting it back in his hands. Elijah, you can stay here if you want. Elijah said, nope, there ain't no way I'm, I'm out. There ain't no way. He goes, I know, I know what I'm getting. There, there's no way. I'm, I'm, I'm going with you until the day you step off of this, uh, step off of this earth. Here in verse 7. It says, and 50, 50 men of the sons of the prophets went, and they stood afar off. And these two, Elijah and Elijah, they stood by the Jordan. And they stood by the Jordan. Amen. Now let me give you another little offensive word here. Submission. Submission to spiritual authority will open up the door for you to walk in what only other people will be able to see but from a distance. You hear me? And if we can submit ourselves into spiritual authority that God has given unto us, listen, it will open up the door for you to begin to step into something with the other people that aren't willing to do it. They'll never be able to step that, but they'll be able to see from a distance, but they'll never be able to step into that same thing that you have. Amen. People, I don't like when we talk about submission. Well, I'm tired. This is what the word talks about. Amen. This is, this is, this is how our Lord works. Amen. We got to be we got to be under authority if we're going to be in authority in anything. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't get a whole lot of amens on that. Y'all getting tired? Huh? I only got about forty five minutes left. <laughs> As I get a look from my wife, like you better cut it short. <laughs> so, uh, all right, let me finish up. I I just got a few more verses. Hallelujah. It says, so they stood by the Jordan. And Elijah, he took his mantle, he, he wrapped it up together, he went and he smote the waters, and they divided. They, they stood up on edge, saluting the two as they walked through on dry ground, which is absolutely powerful. Absolutely powerful. And it came to pass, as they were gone over, Elijah said to Elijah, what shall I do for you? 
before I'm taken away from thee. What, what shall I do for you? I pray thee. He says, I pray thee that I get a double portion of your spirit. I pray that I can have a double portion of his spirit. I love this. This is how a true father acts to their son. He says, listen, I'm fixing to step over. I'm out of here. What's one last thing that I can do for you? Not, not what's one more thing you can serve me with? No, what's one more thing I can do for you before I come out of here? And Elijah asked them what? He says, that I may have a double portion of your spirit. That I may have a double portion of your spirit. Now, now what is spirit? That's that word ruach, right? It's the Hebrew word for ruach. It means, it means to be breath. It means to be spirit. It means to be wind. Amen. So what, what was Elijah asking for here? Was he saying, Lord, Elijah, may, 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 I have, may I have double of the Holy Ghost that's upon you? Amen. See, sometimes we think this like Christians. I don't understand why we think this. Like, like I get the leg of the Holy Ghost. You know, Brother Anthony over here gets the arm. Brother John gets the head because that's why he's so loud. Amen. There's, there's so many different things, but we all get different portions. We don't get different portions. You get the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let me tell you that if you've been taught anything else, listen, you have the fullness of the Holy Ghost operating in you and through you. You have all of him, not just a portion, not just a measure of him. You have the fullness of God in you. Amen. The fullness of it. Full stops. This is where John 14, 12 says the, the same works that I do. He that believes on me, talking about Jesus, the same works I do, you're going to do also. Even greater works than these guys go to the Father. Not because I'm going to give you an inferior measure of the Spirit of God. No, because I'm giving you the exact same measure that Jesus carried. So what was Elijah saying? He knew he can't get any more of the Spirit of God. What was he talking about? He's talking about more of anointing. More of the power of God. I want, I, want, I want to operate in a double, a double portion of the power from the Holy Ghost that you're operating in. Amen. So we can operate in different measures of the anointing. Amen. You can operate, let me say that again, you can operate in different measures of the anointing. Amen. But we have the fullness of the same spirit. We will have the fullness of the same spirit. Hmm. I'll just say that. Your measure, your measure of anointing can be directly correlated to your intimacy. See, you want more anointing in your life, you need more intimacy in your life. I mean, see, you can't get more Holy Spirit. Amen, but if you want him to be, if you want to be able to handle, handle more anointing, see, if you get too much anointing, I'm telling you, it'll crush you, it'll kill you, it's too much pressure for you. If you want to be able to handle that, you need more intimacy. Amen, you need more intimacy, you need to be more yielded. Amen. You need to have a more of a hunger and a more and thirst for him. And I would dare say, many times it has to do even with the leadership you have in your life. You say, well, is that that? Yeah, you can get to that place without having great leadership in your life. But I'm telling you, elite, great, you know, someone that actually cares for you, loves for you, gives you a permission to do things. Listen, it will open up the door for you to operate in these things. Likewise, there is one that can kill your confidence to where you'll never stand into those things. Amen. I'm telling you, leadership and training, spiritual fathers and dads we have over us are a big deal. Amen. That's why I like talking about these things. So we become great spiritual leaders, you know, in, in, in this church and in our families and in this and in this city. Amen. So what was Elijah saying? He was saying, listen, you train me up. You've tra you trained me up, Elijah. You've trained me up to the place I'm intimate. I, I believe I can handle from how you've trained me up. I believe how you've trained me up in intimacy that I can handle a double portion of the power you're operating on. I believe I can handle it. And what, how did Elijah, or Elijah, how did he answer that? He said, oh man, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up from here, he goes, it shall be. And if you don't sell me, it shall not be. Amen. You know, what, what Elijah answered, the only thing he could say is, listen, it's not my place, it's not my position to say if you can, if you can operate in this or not. Amen. I've trained you. You know, I've loved you. You know, I've, I've helped open up the way for you. But listen, I, you know, I can't tell you this, but I will prophesy something to you. I can give you a word. If you see me going up, see, see Elijah knew what was about to happen. He knew he wasn't going to pass over and go dead. No. He said, if you go, if you see me go up, if you see me walk over into, into eternity, he says, you shall have this. But see, if you don't, the Lord says that you can't. Amen. It's as simple, as simple as that. To verse 11, it says, it came to pass. There appeared a chariot of fire. It came and it split the two of them. And then Elijah, Elijah, he saw it. And he cried out, my father, my father, the chariots of fire and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he was, and he was took up in his own clothes and he, he rent them in two pieces. I love that as, as that chariot came up and he started talking, he says, my father, he says, my father, he's saying, he's saying, daddy, hey, hey, papa, can you see it? I see you. 
I see it. You know what that means? I'm getting the double portion. Thank you for all you've done for me. This is what he was calling out. Elijah knew he could see. He said, listen, Elijah, I can see you. My father, my father, the one that's trained me up, I can see you. Now that double portion's coming. What happened? His mantle came floating down to the ground. Amen. Elijah picked up that, picked up that mantle, which is very significant. It's very significant. Why? Because it means that he's going to be walking the same calling of the one that was wearing it before. Amen. As a prophet, as a prophet of God. So he took up the mantle. He took up the mantle in verse 14. And he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from heaven. And he smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when all that adds, uh, and then, uh, oh, excuse me. And when he also had smitten the waters, he goes, they parted. And, like, uh, and likewise from here and there, they parted in two. And then Elijah went over it. So what did he do? The same thing. He says, where is the God of Elijah? Well, he wasn't saying like, I know that's his God. And you're not my God. That's not what he was saying. He was, it was another part. He was just honoring his father. Where, where is my God? I, you, you, you let me see. I got the mantle. The goodness of God is on me. I know that anointing is there. Where is the God of my father? And he took enough confidence and boldness and smote the waters with that mantle. And what happened? The waters parted in two. Came, lifted up on their, on their sides. I'm telling you, absolutely powerful. Walked in, walking in the same exact morning. How many of y'all know that, that Moses wasn't the only one that split the water? How many of y'all know that Elijah wasn't the only one that split the sea or the river? How many of y'all know that Elijah, you know, was another one that split it? How many of y'all know that Jesus wasn't the only one that walked on water? How many of y'all know that Peter walked on water with him? I'm telling you, church, we need to get to that place where we start, we start believing, start seeking after the God of the supernatural that created that's everything natural. Amen. You're going to start seeing amazing things operate in your life. Amen. But you're going to have to start seeking after him, start seeking after the one, start getting intimate with the one that has. Amen. He smote the Jordan. And what happened? Through that confidence, that faith that he had, it got up on its sides. And he walked on over. Now, I'll finish with these next verses here. Well, let me finish. In verse 15, it says, and then uh, he says, the other prophets came by, and it says, they recognized that the spirit of Elijah did rest upon Elijah. And they came to meet him. It says, they bowed down themselves before him. And then they opened up their mouths. God help us to open up our mouths. Oh, Lord. And they said to him, behold, now there be servants, they're 50 strong, and let us go now pray. Let it, let, we pray, let us go and seek out thy master, for perhaps the spirit of the Lord hath taken him up and he's cast him on some mountain on the valley. And Elijah looked at him, he said, you're not, no, you're not going to do it. No, that's silly. Why? Because he knew exactly what took place. And it says they urged him in verse 17, they urged him until he was ashamed. And he said, send him on. Sent them on, and therefore the 50 men went, and they sought after him for three days, wasted three days of their lives, and they found him not. Looking for Elijah, he got so irritated. Why do you keep asking me? You just came down and bowed at my feet, and now you're going to sit there and try to go against what I'm, what I'm telling you to do? Just go, just go on about your business. Just go on about your business. You know, and then Elijah went on about his. Now, why is it, church? Why is it? And we'll close. I'll shut this so we finish. Why is it that we continue to seek after, that we continue to seek after the inferior anointing when God's trying to raise up the ones that have the double anointing right in front of our faces? Hmm? But see, we always want to continue to go after the ones that just had, to, had, to, had the anointing. But I'm telling you, God is trying to raise up some people that has the double anointing upon them. I mean, they had a double measure of these things upon them. Why are we seeing? Now, listen, I, I, I look after, I love old ministers. Listen, I, I mean, you can look at most of the books in my house, and most of them are from ministers that are dead. But I'm telling you, I do not deny the anointing that's upon them. We can't live off the revelation that they have. God is trying to build upon, what, revelation upon uh, revelation, line upon line, precept upon precept. He's trying to build things. Amen. See, yeah, Brother Hagen, one of the, probably one of the greatest mentors I've ever, ever been. He's a great part of our spiritual heritage. Amen. But listen. 
listen, I'm telling you, there's going to be greater ones that are going to be raised up than him. Amen. But it's our job, amen, to help those things get grown up. I, like I keep on telling you 100% of the time, th this couple right over here, I'm telling you, they will be better pastors. They're going to be better ministers than me and Kimberly ever dreamed of being. Why? Because this is our desire. Amen. I'm telling you, there's leaders in this place. We are desiring to train up people. Why? Not to be just like we are, to be better. To flow in the Spirit better. To be able to minister the Word better. To do things better. To come with a double measure of the anointing of power of God. Amen. Not just settling, compromising for what's happened in the past. I'm telling you, there's been great revivals. They are nothing like the revival that's going to come. But see, it can't come through those ministers. It's going to come through you. we got to get to that place where we, set, we don't settle for these things. We start pursuing it. We start pursuing it. I'll speak to you leaders in here. You say, well, I'm not a leader. Are you a leader in your home? Are you a leader in your workplace? I mean, you do leadership things in this church. I'm going to speak to you. Listen, if you, if you will anticipate greatness in people, amen, instead of trying to, to, to dog people and, and see why people aren't worthy to do something, if you will anticipate greatness in people, I'm telling you, you will suck them right into their destiny. You'll suck them into their destiny. You'll be like a hoover that just, that just draws people into their destiny. Why? Because this is what we're called to do. If you can have a voice into someone's life, I'm telling you, you will suck them into what God has for them. But it takes someone to give them permission. I'm telling you, the church all over the world is looking for people just to have a permission to do what God's asked them to do. I'm telling you, we are those people. We need to give permission. I mean, to people to be who God's called them to be to be the business owners, to be T-shocks, to be prime ministers, amen, to be, to be teachers, to be people that, that janitors, but I'm telling you, they're filled up with the Holy Ghost and with power, and they transform lives every time they walk in the room. But see, some people, we, not some people, all people, we need a permission to do it, amen? We need a permission to do it. Can we be that type of people, church? Oh, glory to God, I'm tripping over everything. Can we, can we be those type of people? I mean, can we be those type of people that, that want to launch people into destinies and not just be concerned about our own lives? I mean, maybe be concerned about the person that's sitting next to you or the person that's sitting across the room or the person that's going to be coming here in a month. Can we be those people? Hmm. Can we be those people? I'll tell you, in fact, that will fulfill your own destiny if you allow yourselves to love other people as much as you love yourselves. Amen. Father, I thank you. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for your, your idea of family. I thank you for your idea of raising up people. I thank you for your idea of church. I thank you, Lord, that you never desired anything to stop with us. You always wanted us to, to be looking forward. You always wanted us to be training up a next generation. You never wanted us to be selfish and self-consumed. But you always wanted us to love on people. Or for you loved us so much that you gave up everything for us. But we'd be a people that, that love your people so much we give up everything for them. And we give up our lives for the people around us that we help people, we, that we help call people in, that we release them into their destinies just by believing in them, just by seeing people as you see them. Father, give us eyes. Give us eyes to see the people as you see them. Not by their mistakes, not by, not by the way they look, Lord. May we see them how you see them, Lord. May we, may we have a mouth to speak only the words that you say. May we have ears to hear only what the Spirit of the Lord is having to say in everything that we're doing in this life. Who we glorify you for it, Lord. We thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, that this begins, it begins with, with us. It begins with leadership. It begins with each and every person sitting in these chairs. That they get to have a heart, not only for the nations, but for these little ones that are upstairs. For the ones that are walking down the streets cussing and being profane. Or when we, when we show them the, the way to the light, what will change them forever. So we thank you for it, Father. We glorify you for it.
And Father, as we walk out of this house today, as we close down the service, or we, we would at least want to take a hold of Psalms 91. It says, There will no evil befall us, neither shall any plague come to our dwelling place. Lord, for you give your angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. Lord, to bear us up in thy hands, lest we dash our foot against the stone. Lord, you love us so much. Lord, you said, we shall trample upon the, the lion and the adder and the young lion and the dragon shall we trample underneath our feet because we're people that are dedicated into the secret place of the Most High. We abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We are intimate with you, Lord. We love you. We thank you, Lord, that we are protected in everything that we do. We're protected on the seaways, the railways, the airways, even the motorways, Lord. Even walking down the walk paths, Lord, no wicked plan from a wicked man shall come against us or harm us. We are protected. We're protected in our job places. No harm shall come upon these, Lord. We're a blessing. Every place that we're employed at, Lord, they are prospering because we're there. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for witty ideas and inventions to be a blessing unto that place. Lord, to help fulfill Amen. Someone else's destiny, someone else's call upon their lives. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for this family. We thank you for the ambassadors of Christ. You've called each and every one of us to be. Lord, thank you, Lord, here at that island church. We are covered by the blood. We are empowered by your word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie